What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. He said, we're, we're on, on, we're rolling. He's like, I said, he turned the mics on, we're good to go. It's <laughs> like, I'm just waiting on you yahoos in there to decide what you're going to do. Morning. <laughs> Morning, sir. How are you? <laughs> Much better now. <laughs> so just going back to, to uh, something we haven't done here in a little while, I pulled up the stats page just to kind of go through and see where we were overall. Mm-hmm. And we have... Okay. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. That's almost a happy round number. So starting off, uh, we started recording. We didn't start releasing things until like mid-January, but we started recording about this time last year. Yeah. And the... From then to now, we have 56 total listenable episodes, and that's including all the bonus episodes and then all the actual numbered episodes. And out of those 56 episodes, we have a total of 60,000 listens. Good gosh. So the And there are, I, I keep seeing multiple times on Facebook and Instagram, we have several extremely dedicated listeners that are on their second, third, and fourth rounds of listening to all the episodes. Wow. So a lot of those listens are definitely repeat listeners Thank who are, are going back through and listening again. But that is actually, that's just, it just blows my mind to see how that actually has worked out and how it... Uh, how it just continues to grow and expand, but uh, see that one is the big map. So if we go ahead, go ahead. And how crazy it is that we get so many different listeners from different parts of the world. Yeah, that's why I was actually just scrolling down into the regions, and if we look at the countries, and we go through and we break up the countries, the United States is in first place. Mm-hmm. Australia is in second. Canada is in third, then the United Kingdom, Netherlands, Germany, Belgium. New Zealand has dropped all the way to the seventh position. That's because water goes the wrong direction down there. (laughs) Norway, (laughs) Ireland, and then the last one is actually just listed as other, um, and it makes up like 1% of the listening. If we switch over to the cities... Houston, Texas has eclipsed Austin. Our hometown is no longer our number one listening city wow. in the United States. Houston's beating them. Houston, then Dallas, then Austin. Austin has dropped to third place on uh, wow. on our number of listeners there. Then it jumps over to um, Brisbane, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane, Australia. That one threw me for a loop. I'm used to all these being U.S. cities, but Brisbane is now in fourth place on top cities. Then we've got Ridgeville, North Ridgeville, Ohio. Oh, I can't even. This is just something wrong to make me have to do in the morning. Makuita, Iowa. Makuita, M-A-Q-O-U-K-E-T-A. Makuita. Ohio. Salt Lake City, Utah. Chicago, Illinois. Westlake, Ohio. Netherlands has one in there that's going to be just as fun as the one in in Iowa to pronounce. M-E-D-E-M-B-L-I-K. Hmm. <laughs> That's a word? Med. Medim, <laughs> I'm sorry. Medimbleak. 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 That's what I'm going with. Medimbleak, Netherlands. They round out the top 10 on the city. So that is the first time that I've ever pulled this up. And 
on the city listing, they're not all U.S. cities. So that is a huge change oh, from how crazy. we've looked at it before. Yep. Um, and uh, and also a huge challenge for this little country boy to try to pronounce. <laughs> We're sorry if we hurt your feelings because we don't know how to say your town. Yeah, feel free to shoot us a message. <laughs> yeah. and, you can, and uh, you can send us a a. A message or, or a phonem, phonetically. Yeah, send yeah. us the phonetic spelling of yeah, how you would go. like it pronounced, and uh, <laughs> we will we will do our best there. Yeah. The um, you know, and, and, and the the emails, the messages that you guys all do send us, we greatly appreciate those. They're they're fun, inspirational, uplifting. You name it, we we love it. And then the questions also helps us kind of guide what the listeners are needing at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And we can go through and answer directly to some of those situations and try to give you guys a little bit of help and guidance in a real-time scenario. And that's also just awesome as well. So, and again, anybody out there, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you can reach us on social media at Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. And you can always send us emails directly to info at thehivejive.com. And we're always more than happy to go through and take a look at those and, and see what's going on out there. That's what makes things fun. Well, it depends. Y'all, y'all have to listen to it two or three times. <laughs> Not all of our listeners are as dedicated as that handful that does that. <laughs> it just cracks me up, though, that uh, that it, it ends up, you know, you have somebody that's like, I'm on my fourth time around. And I'm like, oh, my God. Four times that it, it's easier to do that when we still only have well, fifty six you know episodes. But the more episodes we get, that's going to become more and more challenging. They're trying to talk Texan. They, they listen to my accent. <laughs> they, they're trying to uh, to get that 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 Texan draw. They're trying to get the draw in there. Yeah, they're trying to get that Texan draw down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we locked that another guy at Redneck. He's kind of crazy, but yeah. You talking about yourself? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I can talk about myself. <laughs> and John, he's one that knows everything. I'm just a redneck comedian sidekick. A comedian sidekick. Yep. Um, as a, an interesting little side note here, our guest that we had on last week, um, Ferhat Osterk. Yes, let me ask you something. Uh-huh. Do you remember? He said, warm honey will open your bowels up. Cold honey will shut them down, right? Yeah. He said, "If you dissolve it in warm water or cold water, it'll have opposite effects on things." Is that was it? The warm water. Warm water open? opens them up. Cold water shuts Good. them down. Because I'm on a diet right now, and guess what? <laughs> I don't need to shut them down. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, so I thought it was actually really interesting because he, he was good. He yeah, he was very good, and we we had a lot of feedback and everything from the episode that was great. Um, but he is now like he's an avid listener. Really? Yeah. He he listened to a couple episodes before he came in, so he would kind of get a feel for the show and kind of got hooked. And so now that is his commute to and from school when he's going to teach wow. is he's listening to the episodes and catching up. And he actually went on to Facebook and gave us a five-star review on uh, on the podcast. <laughs> so on I was his like, or ours? On, on the whole podcast. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, hey, now that that's pretty awesome when you have a guest that's not just a guest, but they're actually like a fan of the show and a listener and and give you like a, you know, a a rave review. Yeah. You know, when you used to eat a quart of honey a week, it's really difficult for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good thing that you're on this right now because I am completely sold out 
of all honeys, including your favorite winter honey, it is all gone except for our infusions because the infusions, once they're infused, that's all it is. And so I do have some infusions that I have, the, the containers in storage. So I've got that stuff and that might slowly eke along through the winter season and, and part of the spring. But the the regular spring honey, the, the raw straight from the comb spring honey, our chunk comb honey, summer honey, winter honey, all of it is sold out. It's all gone. I'll tell you what I'm working on. I'm going to come up with a fruitcake using honey as sweetener. All righty. So if any of y'all listeners out there have a recipe, send it to us. <laughs> I'm going to come up with it, a.k.a. please somebody yeah. tell me how to do it. Somebody, <laughs> you know, what I do is two-thirds a cup of honey is a cup of sugar. The honey, when, you, when you're baking and cooking with honey, it can be very tricky because the honey being hydroscopic and void of, of moisture, mm -hmm. you have to look at it kind of in a, it's more moisture than a dry sugar would have been, mm -hmm. but it also has a tendency to pull moisture oh, yeah. out of stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you take, uh, just kind of a real fun thing to, to see how that works, if you take peanut butter that's a little bit runny like if you get the real natural peanut butter that has all the oil in it mm -hmm. and it's a little bit runny and you pour it into a container and then you pour honey in it and you start mixing the whole thing gets so solidified and gummed up it almost turns to like dough when it was a, a runny consistency before and that's because that honey is pulling all the moisture that it can and mm -hmm. everything just starts thickening kind of do you like honey and peanut butter yeah have you ever mixed banana with it yeah that's the way I eat. Yeah, I do honey, banana, peanut yeah. butter sandwiches. Yeah. I'll take the, the peanut butter. Sometimes I'll mix the two up and mm -hmm. use it to like dip apples and stuff in. Mm -hmm. But other times I'll go through and I'll put peanut butter on the bread and then slice up a banana and put on there and then drizzle honey over the top of it and then put the other half on it. Then there. mix a little bit of cinnamon in it too, by the way. You could do that. Oh, it's good. Um, I'm weird Especially with cinnamon. Especially if you're eating apples, put a little cinnamon in it. That, that actually would be good with the apples. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. And I haven't bought no more packages. <laughs> Ken keeps trying to pick fights. I don't know. I sent him a text message. Like, every time he, he messages me now, he puts things in there just to see if he can get me riled up. <laughs> and uh, I sent him a message saying, all right, so do you have any specific subject matter you want to talk about on the, the upcoming show we're going to record? And he goes, how about them two more packages I bought? <laughs> and, you know, Im immediately I'm just like blank face silence. <laughs> and I'm looking at the phone. And uh, I responded back, and I was like, well, and before I could get done typing, he, he said, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't buy any more. And I was like, well, that's I good. No more yet. <laughs> yet. Uh, so when I get these packages, I can dump them into a top bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can put a, the package. You can put in whatever you want. That's the beauty of the packages is that they – the package and the swarm are like, you know, if you use the, the vac box and you pull them up, you basically have a package or a swarm right. trapped inside there. Um, you pour them into whatever type of container you want. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to stay there. And yeah. that is what a lot of the challenge ends up being is that they can turn around and just decide, bye, you know, and they're, they're going to take off on you. But um, if you want to put a package into a top bar, into a Langstroth, into a Warre Hive, right. you name it, Long Lang, doesn't matter. You can dump the package into whatever you want to. The trick then is is getting them to stay, and the, the the biggest thing you can do on that is have comb that's already drawn out, 
And so, like, if you wanted to do a top oh, bar, like I got, yeah, but got you don't have like it. if you want to do a top bar, uh-huh. take a don't bar have, that yeah. already has comb on it, mm-hmm. stick it in there, then put the bees in there, put the queen hanging on an empty bar right beside the comb, and they'll all come up and cluster around her, and then they'll start utilizing that comb, and it it will increase the chances of them wanting to stay more so than if it's just an empty void inside there. Plus, it'll also say, please build your comb to match this one and go in this direction instead of building them all helter-skelter in whichever way they want. <laughs> That's the other challenge with the package. They have no guidance, no, no, no furniture to show them what to do. That's what I uh, figured Langstroth would make it easier for them because they have, well, I have all the full drawdown comb. Yep, you have the drawdown comb, and that's why... You're going to be cheating next spring is because when your packages come in, they're not going into an empty void. They're not even going into a frame that just has foundation. They're going into boxes that have drawn out comb Mm -hmm. that is immediately ready for them to use. So we're we're hoping and speculating that when we put them in there, they will be able to grow much faster and be Mm -hmm. more established. So they should increase about the rate of actually even faster than what a nuke is going to Mm -hmm. because that nuke has those five drawn out comb, but then they've got to draw out the other four or five, you know, to fill up their container. Whereas these guys, the comb's already there. So they start filling it up and utilize it and their population gets big enough that we know they can guard it and sustain it. And then we can give them another box of drawn comb. And, and they can continue that process. So our, our goal is to get to go from packages to honey producing colonies all in the same season. Yep. But again, it's cheating, guys. Keep in mind, he's cheating. That's not how beekeeping normally would work for somebody who when, has to when you build find their resources. Some, when you find a commercial guy that has comb, if you're buy it. if you're willing to <laughs> take on all the things that come along with that commercial yeah, but, guy's yeah, comb and what yeah. the comb may or may not have yeah. come into contact with, there's lots of little asterisks along there with subtext that you you have to come into uh, take into consideration with some of that stuff for sure. <laughs> Tara liked what I was doing. T- Tara. Tara liked what you were yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, she liked the concept of it. It's a it's a easy it's a jump start for yeah. sure. Um, uh, yeah. Now let me ask you something. I have been uh, pulling my all the comb out and painting the the, the supers. Yeah, we we actually they posted on social media your your photos of the stacks <laughs> oh, you know, of see all the, the new colors. I just I came up with yesterday. Uh oh. I'll send you the pictures. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna have a very colorful apiary. Yeah, yeah. It looks uh, like Easter threw up all over everything. Pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> it's all, all like Easter pastels. Sick, cute. <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, as I'm pulling out, I'm finding a lot of the honey supers, the combs getting eat. Yeah. And so is that, you, that's not, that's the lesser moth. And other critters, yeah, probably. Uh, well, yeah. It depends on if there's the that spider web kind of look to it. A little bit, kind of, not really. Yeah, because the, the, the greater wax moth and the lesser wax moth both will leave that silk webbing. Okay. And the lesser wax moth will chew through like the centers of the comb and they may leave a tiny little tunnel or they may just leave a little spider web over the opening no, of the cell. Just, but if they're if they're eating all of it, that's the greater yeah. wax moth. Well, they're eating it all, but they're not they're not eating it all. They just like eat all the bottom. And then now can't will they repair that? Now mine are built on wire foundation where he put the wax. No, oh, the wax with the wire in there, yeah. So you're, what's going to end up happening is if, if you have a frame 
and say the bottom third of it gets destroyed, but yeah. the top third is still kind of mm-hmm. in place, and you put it back into the colony, the, the bees will go through and they'll clean up any of that silk webbing. They'll clean up off all the debris along the edges, and then they'll go through and they'll repair the seam along the edge and turn it back into a growing cell or a growing frame where they can, or comb is what I want to say. bring it all the way down. And they'll bring it the rest of the way back down sometimes. Sometimes they may actually just fix it and then leave it. It depends on where it's at in the colony and if mm. they need more comb. If they do and there's space there, they will actually draw it all the way out and, and connect it back to the frame. So but. what I did, and I didn't ask you about it, I bought the sheets of wax and where these have already got, where they have at the bottom, where they've already been something to eat them, I can cut those sheets of wax and kind of weave it into the wire and let them draw that on out. You could. You don't have to. You can. I mean, they, they will draw. But, I mean, even if you take an empty frame with nothing on it and right. you put it in the colony, they're going to draw the comb I've in that frame. I've got a lot of M2 in there, by the way. No, I mean literally empty. Nothing inside the frame. It's just a wooden frame with nothing in it. Well, that just then you can use that as uh, chunk comb, yeah. cut comb honey, yeah. And well, that's I why bring, I didn't bring a hole saw, by the way. I forgot it. Oh, that's okay. Okay. That's we don't have to worry about we, that. We, 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 that was that was no, way off. How'd you like that? The way I dropped it, and when they say, "What the hell does he want the hole saw for?" <laughs> we'll tell you later. <laughs> well, I was even stumped on that one. I was like, "Hole saw? What? What did that have to do with anything?" Um, no, that uh, that's a that's a springtime project. I don't even have to worry about working on that for a while. So springtime not that far off. You think about it. we're in December. Yeah, and I mean, I'm we're still... gonna we're, <laughs> it's gonna be eighty degrees Monday. Yes, but then the next day the high is fifty something and right. raining. Yeah, which means yeah. the low is going to be even lower than that. That's how that. That's have you noticed? That's how that always works. Oh yeah. Right before the cold front hits, we have this huge spike in temperature. Well, we had yesterday. What were we? We were damn near eighty. No, day before yesterday, we were eighty degrees then. Yeah. And then we had a little norther blew through, and it cooled things off. And now this wasn't a very strong norther. This next one's supposed to be stronger. Now they are saying we got a good chance of rain by the end of the week, end of the month. I hope they're right because here I've gone into into the honey business, and we're going to go into a drought. That's what you keep saying. We better not. I don't uh, want to go into a drought. I don't want to go into a drought either, but because, you know, it's going to be harder for me to have award-winning honey. <laughs> or, or will it be? Well, easier? I mean, you might have award-winning honey, but you might have the same baby <laughs> tiny jar that you had this year, and yeah. uh, you just won't be able to share it with very many people. That's it. But anyway. Uh, Here, hang on real quick on that okay. on that weather note. So just to go through and kind of give everybody an an idea, when we were talking about feeding, since how apparently we have zero path of thought for this episode, um, (laughs) when we were talking about feeding and feeding in the winter and feeding liquid, if you guys remember back on those episodes where we said, stop feeding liquid, like you can feed the liquid all the way up to the point where the average daytime temperatures get at 60 degrees or below, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Once they've reached that 60 degrees or below, then you need to stop feeding because Mm -hmm. at that point, especially if it's going to stay below that, it then becomes very difficult for them to be able to process that. And what you've done is introduced a bunch of moisture into the colony that they have to contend with. And that moisture can cause issues if it causes condensation and whatnot, um, especially when the temperatures get colder. So Looking at the 10-day forecast 
for us in Austin, so in Central Texas. And again, this would only apply to anybody who is in the same kind of geographic weather zones that we are in, right? So if you're getting down towards Florida, um, you're going to have probably even better weather than what we are right now as far as temperature-wise. But for us, going through and looking at it, today the high is actually supposed to be 70, which that has actually increased because it was only supposed to be 63 originally. And then tomorrow is 74. Mm -hmm. Monday Monday is 81. And then Tuesday it drops to 51. Wednesday is 58. Thursday is 58. Friday goes back up to 64, then we've got two days of 71, back down to 65, then down to 60, then 63, then 64, then 63, then 63. That's the long-range forecast. Now, what I do is I go through and I look at this before I feed, Mm -hmm. and I look at it and I say, okay, so if all of the temperatures are above 60, especially Mm -hmm. if they're above 65, I don't even question it. I'll be like, okay, the hives that need fed, we're going to go ahead and we're going to give them another round of feed. Mm -hmm. That gives them two weeks because I'm looking at that 10-day outlook for them to try to process whatever I feed them today down so that they can have it stored and it's not going to be a potential hazard down the road, right? Right. But if you want to know, like when you start getting those days that start dipping below 60 and you have a lot of those in there, then you got to go back to basic math. You're going to take every one of those numbers, add, and what you're looking at is just the average daytime temperature for Mm -hmm. each of those days. Add all of those up, divide them by the total number. So add them all up, divide them by 10, and that's going to give you your average temperature. And if that temperature is at like 62, 61, 60, 58, 59, maybe you shouldn't be feeding because your average daytime temperature is now at that range where it's questionable. So that's kind of how I look at it. And that's just a, how I do things kind of FYI on that, because it's, it's hard to gauge. And it's also with, you know, anything weather related, they, I swear to God, they just throw darts at the freaking board. Um, but they sat there, you know, they like, again, yesterday when I looked at today, it was only supposed to get up to 63. Well, today it says it's going to get up to 70. There are days that that does the opposite. It might say it's going to get to 70, but it only gets up to 64 and then it quits. So it's it's not an exact thing that we know of, but you can go through and you can add all that stuff up, come up with your average temperature. If you are in an area up north, then in theory, you guys should already, you know, you're basically already in winter. Your average temperatures are already at 60 or below. In a lot of places, there's feet of snow on the ground already Um, your colonies best case scenario is you fed them enough they've got enough food and everything in there that they're good for the winter and you don't have to feed them anything again we will want to open them up anyway no not especially if it's below 40 absolutely not but we will talk and we're not going to do it is still pushing it off until like january but we will talk about making solid food for your hives and putting it in the hives and you can open up your hive if you're just opening the top section of a langstroth and you've already got like the inner cover and you've set up any type of feeding apparatus where you have the shim or anything up in there you can go through and you can open that up in the winter time if you're just going to put something in and close it back up you don't want to open it and do a full inspection where you're pulling all the frames out right but just to add food you can do that and we will talk in january about how to make solid foods like your sugar bricks sugar camps fondant things like that that you can give to the bees as an emergency resource 
before the last part of winter, which is basically the tail end of January, all of February, part of March, depending on where you're at. So we will talk about that stuff in January, but we are we're purposely holding off on that because if your colony has enough food, if it is, you know, if it's got 100 pounds of honey weight or more in there, you don't need to be feeding your bees. You don't need to be worrying about this. Oh, but I need to, you know, everybody else is saying I need to have sugar in there and I need to do all these other things. No, that is that is our artificial stimulants. Those are our interventions on things where we either didn't do something correctly or we're overcompensating and the bees don't necessarily do that. They're never going to have the sugar in there in just a dry form on their own accord. That's man-made, that's a man-thought, and that is something that we do when, again, we're, we're being overly cautious. So we don't need to do that. The only emergency situations where you do is if you've got a colony and it is going into where it's only gonna be 50 degrees or less and you can't feed them the liquid, but they have maybe five pounds or 10 pounds of food, period, and that's it, and it's a big colony, then absolutely you're going to need to give them some sort of food source. But that also means that you probably didn't plan ahead and do what you should have in the fall and feed them copious amounts to get them built up to the point they needed to be before winter. So there's, you know, as we've said many, many times, everything is circumstantial and situational when you go through and look at this stuff. But that is our forecast. So if you wanted to go ahead and feed here in Central Texas again, or if you do have colonies that are a little bit light on their sugar stores, you can still feed them that two to one sugar syrup and get them built up. But if you're in the northern states and it's already cold, you know, hopefully you've already got them to a point where you don't have to worry about that. And then again, we will we'll talk about the solid sugar foods in another episode. Now, we have, you know, here, what, two weeks ago we were warm. That's mm -hmm. when I opened mine up and did <laughs> sit in a final inspection. But I didn't pull the feeders off. I hadn't pulled the feeders out yet. So I'm sitting now. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, they had two weeks, and there is basically nothing out there for them to eat. Should I put, or do I need to do a final another inspection? You need to take notes. Is what you need to do. And I took notes back there two weeks ago, but now they okay. Well, then you need to look at your notes because if that colony. If that colony, again, if it had over 100 pounds of food stores in it... Well, no, most, most of mine are just one brood box. Yeah, but still, you can hoist that up, that one brood box. So if you're looking at five frames of food in there, mm -hmm. then you should have pretty close to that 40 or 50 pound mark of food, if depending on how many open frames you have of the bees going on, right? So if it is just the one brood box and it's, it's heavy, mm -hmm. they don't need food. Yeah. But... When you went through and you did your inspection and you looked at it, and if you said, okay, they've got seven frames of capped food stores in here and three frames open on a 10-frame box, they don't need fed. Even if they have a week where it's 80 degrees every single day, they don't need fed because they're not raising copious amounts of babies and they're not foraging like you would think. They're not out there actively working. You may have some scouts going out and looking to see if they can find something, but they're not working like they were in the summer. And those winter bees have a longer longevity, uh, longevity to their lifespan as well. So they can actually live a little bit longer. So you, you can't, and it's really hard to do. I did this the very first winter that I had bees. I had the bees. I had everything good. I had them all locked down. And then all of a sudden, we had a really warm winter. And the temperatures were 
like they didn't hardly ever go below 65. It was like 70 and up every day. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, my bees are constantly out doing stuff. They're flying, they're foraging, they're gonna starve because they're gonna burn through their food, but they didn't. They did fine because they they know how to manage what they've got. And they know when to go through it and when not to, unless you just have some really crazy bees that are not paying attention to the seasons. <laughs> but the Italians? Well, the Italians can be a little wonky on stuff, but they still do at least understand winter's coming. The days are getting shorter. They're not getting longer. It's getting cooler out. You know, they will cut back on their brood production and they'll stop raising brood. Side note, uh, we haven't we haven't seen any brood, but that's not a problem in the winter. No. And that's something that don't freak out if you open up your colony, especially in December. Yeah. If it's warm enough and you go through there and you open it up and you're like, oh, my God, I lost my queen because there's no brood anywhere. No, it's, that's called winter. The queen doesn't lay eggs mm -hmm. in the winter. So don't freak out and think that she's dead or gone just because there's no brood in there. So let me say that first off. But the downside to them is in the spring when that flip flops and the days start getting longer and it starts getting a little warmer. They ramp up their brood production very quickly and then eat themselves out of house and home. But they did it because they ramped up the brood production. So right now, if your colony is not laying any brood, then they're not going to be burning through that food very quickly. Okay. But you can do a spot check. You know, if you know that these five frames were solid capped food mm -hmm. and you have a day that's over 70 degrees, which, you know, tomorrow Monday. and Monday, mm -hmm. um, you can go through there, open up that inner cover and just look real quickly at those frames and see if they're still capped food. And if they are, you're good. You know, with the bees that, uh, you know, that big, huge colony, I think, went to the tree that's, that's, the road, that's across the road from my place. And I'm feeding now, I'm feeding bees and I'm feeding them pollen and I'm feeding them honey and they are eating it like they think it's springtime or, or summer. And I think it's, uh, you kind of already answered the question to me. You think it's because they have no stores. Yeah. And so they are... So he's he's talking about open feeding, just yeah, FYI. I'm open feeding um, both. Over yeah. there by his house, where there none of the hives are over there by the house. They're all mm -hmm. out into the the actual apiary, which is a couple miles away. But mm -hmm. um, over there at his house, where those swarms came through, where we originally had the, the episodes where we talked to you guys about, you know, Ken caught his first swarm, and there the, was the barrel bees that moved in, and he had a barrel of bees, Huge but they moved swarm. out the next day. And then we went over there and we chased a couple swarms. Well, we caught one of them. But there were some some big swarms that came through, and we don't know where they ended up going because they came in and then they would leave again. Yep. And the theory is there's a couple of kind of on-again, off-again bee trees over um, east of his place. And we think that one of those late swarms that happened in August may have moved into one of those trees. Yeah, and so the theory is that there there may have still been comb inside there. And they may have had some things already there, but if not, they were, you know, urgently trying to build while they could. And now they're in this place where they have either very little comb or they've got comb, but they've got very little food stores. So when he puts out the pollen and he puts out the nectar and open feeds, you know, they happily come to it. And he was curious why they're doing that if it's this late, you know, it's December. Why are they out there taking as much as they can? Well, the, the easy answer to that is that bees are very opportunistic. Mm -hmm. If it's above 60 degrees, they're going to be out looking for food. And if they find it, especially in the like the two-to-one solution where they don't have to do a lot of work to it or they find pollen and they need it because there's zero food stores in that place they moved into really late, they're going to take it and drink it down dry. Um, I've got colonies, though, that 
they've reached the maximum of what they need and what they can hold and they won't touch it anymore. And I'm doing, you know, the internal feeders or the feeders that are actually hooked into the, cause I, on my nuke boxes, I build the feeder actually into the side of the box so that I can manage it without having to open it, but it's all sealed kind of inside there. Well, the last time we fed, which was two weeks ago now on those, those jars are still over three quarters full. And that's been two weeks of time. They haven't hardly taken any of it. But if you go through and you look inside there, they're full. They've got as much as they can possibly hold. So they're, they're now ignoring it because they don't need it. They don't need and so we'll be pulling those off this weekend and, and sealing them up for good and calling it, you know, calling it done for the winter on those little ones. But it just depends on what's going on. I mean, they're they're out all times of the year if it's warm enough for them to be out. We just don't normally see them because it's going to be colder. But they're out there and they're looking. And if it's a feral colony that moved in late, they need that food. They need that resource. So, yeah, they're happy to take it as long as you're happy to put it out there. And I'm feeding them because when they swarm, I get swarmed. Yeah, that's his, that's his whole goal. That's why he is open feeding feral bees at his house is because he wants to bolster these bee trees to the point that they definitely survive winter. And then in the spring, he's going to continue feeding them so that they get really big, really fast, and they'll swarm. So then hopefully he can catch them in his swarm traps. He's trying to hedge his bets here. <laughs> I've got... Uh... What did I tell you? Twenty-eight brood boxes. Yes. I think I need. To, they need to be all full. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> we we still have. You've got your packages coming in that need yeah. boxes. We've oh, got yeah. splits that we can do that need boxes. We may need extra boxes so that we can switch things and move things. Um, they don't have to all be full, especially like come the beginning of April. They don't all have to be full. We will get there. There's plenty of time for that stuff. Okay. <laughs> so quit getting bees. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't got any bees in a while. They ain't, they, don't, they don't come in. Boxes won't. Be, uh, packages won't be here till April. Uh huh. Yeah. Just because they haven't shown up on your doorstep doesn't mean that you have not bought them or put deposits down for them to be no, shipped. No, I bought them. Yeah, I paid all of it. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. Quit, quit buying bees. But uh, I will have a rather Carol colorful apiary. Like it looks like. Easter Bunny puked on my place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there was. They were very colorful. I saw that posting, and there, there was lots of uh, lots of different colors, all all Easter pastel yeah. kind of colors out my there. My wife says they're all sherberts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's why she. They're all sherberts. Well, John says to have them light so they don't get hot. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, and that does kind of end up making things pastel in color, for sure. Does. You can paint them, um, you know, like a little bit more brighter, vibrant color in some cases. You just want to stay away from the deep colors, the dark colors, because that draws in more heat and then can overheat the colony. yellow and some orange. I guess I'm going to, I can't find none of that. When when you want to get go to your big mm. box store Oops. and see what they have screwed up on. Oops And paint. if it's outside, what's the matter? I said oops paint. Oh, yeah, oops paint. Buy that if exterior paint. Don't put interior paint outside. Yeah, it has exterior. to be exterior. Yeah, and uh, it uh, you can and if it's too bright, mix a little white with it. You can change and you can make all kinds of colors with it. By the way, yeah, that's what I've done. 
Yeah, the Oops Paint is actually a great deal if you're on a budget and you don't want to spend a lot of money or don't have a lot of money to spend on that kind of stuff. Go into any of your hardware stores. Lowe's and Home Depot have them. Um, a lot of the paint stores, Sherwin-Williams, things like that, they'll have them. Um, little things like Ace Hardware, they'll have it. They have anywhere where they mix paint, they'll have an Oops section. And it's, it may be that... You know, the machine messed up and the color didn't come out right or something was was wrong with it. It was the wrong type, you know, whatever. Um, customers will come in sometimes and they will order paint and then it doesn't match what they wanted. So they're like, you have to redo it. And that paint that gets given back then goes over to this little stand Usually somewhere up around the counter there, kind of in the paint section. Yep, it'll have the dot on the top, show you the color. And instead of being a twenty to forty dollar thing of paint, it's usually nine bucks or less. Yep. And you can get you, you know, a good gallon of paint for less than ten dollars and and it works out really well. But again, to to what he said, make sure that it says exterior. Mm -hmm. You gotta look and see if it says interior, exterior, that's okay. If it's interior only, no preferably just exterior and you can get that paint and you can take it. And then I even take it and start mixing some of it together because I'll have like, this blue is really dark, but I know if I mix it with white, I can lower it down. And then I may end up with three separate shades of blue that I can use on stuff. And yeah, so you can, you can stretch it out and extend it and you can make new colors and kind of mix some things together and, and have fun with it and then come up with some really cool painting and stuff that you can do. Um, but yeah, that is a great way to get paint. And right now in the wintertime is a great time to be doing that kind of stuff. Get your, like, that's what Ken's been doing. Take your equipment. If it's used equipment that from, like, last seasons or anything, go through, scrape it down, clean it up, repaint anything that needs repainted, fill any holes, um, you know, add extra glue and screws to boxes if they're starting to warp or anything like that and get them all sealed and good to go. And then come spring, you're ready to go. Um, once you get your boxes done, if you are using frames and you're buying your stuff where it's all individual pieces, wintertime is a great time to build frames. It's a very monotonous, repetitive process, but you can go through and you can assemble all your frames and get all your foundations put in and then put those frames in the boxes so that when spring comes, you're ready. When the colony starts growing and you start adding boxes to it, everything's already built and good. That's what wintertime is for. It is the the preparation for the next season. You go through, you don't have to check your bees, but you can spend a lot of time building and prepping and doing things for the bees that they'll need in the spring. And if y'all want a good show where we don't just rattling, send us questions. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing is like the whole time we've been sitting here talking, I I think like my body wanted a break today. I probably should have said no to everything and just stayed home and not did anything today. Um, but even coming into the studio, like I had asked you, you know, hey, what do you want to talk about? Um, I had a couple of things that I wanted to talk about, which I don't even rem- know if we got them in there or not. But yeah, there has been no direction to this this episode whatsoever. No, no. It was a kind of like we both just show but up everybody and, will love it. and well, maybe. But the, the whole time, though, that I'm sitting here doing this, I'm also sitting here thinking like editing wise, like what is this show actually going to be? How are we going to put it together? Has there been enough of one topic in here somewhere that we can take it and make a decent episode out of it? You know, because some of these things have been so scattered, you know, from from different 
angles and seasons and topics. And so I sit there and I look at it from that perspective. What can we do? How can it be edited? Well, you're going to have some bonus episodes off of it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't even know if there's enough in there to, to justify the bonus episodes. But I go back and I'm like, the other half of me, it, like I keep looking at the clock. And, and half of me is like, and I even said it jokingly once, I'm like, can we just delete it and start over? Like, let's just, let's just erase the whole episode and then we'll just start back over and, and come up with an actual topic and stay on that train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it'll be a surprise to me, to you, to everybody what um, this episode ends up being. All right, guys. Well, um, we will catch you next week where we will have a actual script, uh, not a script, but at least some show notes to kind of go through. Send us questions. Send us questions. We have some. Okay. Um, I do have some listener questions, and I purposely have held on to them, and, and I sent responses back to the, the listeners and told them that that will be on a future episode. But there are questions that are definitely more springtime questions. They're not wintertime questions. Okay. So I've kind of been been holding off on that, but yeah, um, but we'll we'll have a a more concise train of thought <laughs> next week. And for you folks that live in the north, tomorrow or Monday, it's going to be eighty degrees here, and y'all are going to be playing in the snow. Just think of that. <laughs> and I like snow myself, but I just love warm weather. See y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Be good, everybody. Be good and stay warm. Bye. <laughs> Bye. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.